Hey, this is Aaron Conley. I make uh, Sabertooth Swordsman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock's Comics. Go, 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 go. Very nice. Fine form. I gave you a 9.8 on that one. We were watching the uh, volleyball game. Uh, say versus Serbia. Yes, Serbia. 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 Hmm. Who won? Uh, we didn't see the entire match. Uh, USA did win one round. Um, and Serbia was up when we left the uh, restaurant. Good for USA. The Nervia. Word. Yeah, Herbia. Painful. And it, the cane keeps coming. Getting all that original art locked down from New York Comic Con. Yeah. I'm just wasting. Yeah, you know that stuff. No, man, get on it. No. Get down on it. I live through y'all. I, I don't We're going to go to Bubba Gump, though, for, on Saturday, right? Fine. Right, we got it. <laughs> I. See, I want to laugh, but I know you're being sincere. Yes. So, I know. Anything's got to be fucking better. We love the gump. We hit the book off, too? Sure. Shit. Not going to leave our portfolio. Yeah, let's not, not do that. We should get a fuck, we should get the handcuffs you can put around the... No, that would be awesome if he walked around with the handcuff onto the, the yep. portfolio. That'd be even more baller. So when you go to Bubba Gump, do, do the... Do the waiters and waitresses have to speak like him? Like, are they like, oh, special popcorn, shrimp, coconut, <laughs> shrimp, shrimp? There we go. I was surprised last time I went because I ordered the shrimp and it didn't come in that little plastic package that I usually Oh, yeah, you didn't pull oh, it apart. Oh, my God. Fake shrimp. This is not shrimp. Hey, I ordered shrimp. This is not Why does my shrimp taste like fucking pollen? Why don't I want to pull my shrimp apart? This is bogus. What, what a world we live in where, where, like, people, <laughs> company can take pink Play-Doh and slice it into chunks and convince people that it's fake trunks. I love it, though. Oh, fuck. It's so good. Uh, and you know what else? This is um, episode... <laughs> 400, City. Yeah. 434, 11 o'clock comics, and I am... Bubba Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lieutenant Dap. Yes, you are. And I am sprinting <laughs> right to the finish because I'm Nathan Adrian. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Yeah, I didn't want to be Jason- Michael Phelps because everyone's yeah. Michael Phelps. You're Jason Wood in the house again. Yeah. He back. Ooh, two weeks in a row. Look at that. For some scintillating comic book discussion. Yes, sir. Well, you, but, did you get your read on? Who? You. Always. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Revisionist history uh, here. What? Yeah. That's good. You don't always get your read on. In so, fact, please. I can pull it up. One, profile. I'm one week in this eight one. years, I don't have time to read, and it's an issue. <laughs> of course, because you're perfect. No, you should. You should. I hold you to a higher standard than most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since he still hasn't seen Suicide Squad. Vincent, you're talking to seriously. He's, he let us down again. But you know who will not let you down? Discount comic book service. 
Exactly. DCBService.com, Discount Comic Book Service, our sponsor, and we're very proud to have them because if you would like to get rock bottom prices on your favorite funny books and collectibles, there is only one place to go. DCBS. Take a listen. I was going to say a gander, but they can't do that. Take a listen to these fine specials that are offered this month. From DC forward slash Young Animal. It's the August 2016 Young Animal Bundle from Gerard Way. He personally delivers this to you. You can get Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number one. Shade the Changing Girl, number one. Ads of which are already appearing in the DC books. And you can get Doom Patrol number two. That's three comics, three ninety nine cover price per your price. Should you decide to jump in on this bundle? $5.97. Nice. That's insane. From Dark Horse, it's the Conan Omnibus, Volume 1, Birth of a Legend. This is the Kurt Busick, Carrie Nord, and others uh, run some fantastic covers by Joseph Michael Linzer. Uh, cover price is really respectable at $24.99 for a 472-page omnibus, but you're not going to pay that. No way. Worth you're not. smart enough. You're smart enough to go to Discount Comic Book Service because you can get this for $12.49. Mm. Bringing up the rear, it's Poppy Capullo and Mark Miller together for the first time? I think so. I think so. so. Yeah. Uh, the name of the series is Reborn. The first issue of which will cost you half of what everybody else is getting it for. You can get it for $1.99. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions. You get your books all nice and securely packed and delivered right to your door because I'm sick of saying it. They are the best. DCBService.com. Yes. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was Cam's birthday this past week. It was. Yeah. Wendy's birthday today. That's right. Happy birthday to Wendy. You know, that's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. Check the Facebook. I I check. Well, it's always running. I, I go to the Facebooks and I see whose birthday it is and I make sure to wish each and every one of them a happy birthday. That's right. Cause it's only, I mean, it's the only neighborly thing to do, especially when they're people we love, like freaking Wendy and, and Cam. You Absolute. gotta wish. And they look like they had, they lived it up. They had a good day. Today was a good day. Yeah. So what are we drinking? Who are you asking? Drinking? Well, I am still sucking on Commodore Perry. What? From the Great Lakes Brewing Company. Uh, India Pale Ale. It's good. What you drinking, Bo? I'm drinking Yangling Lager, son. Oh, look at you, yes, Stefan. Cans, though. Cans. Nothing wrong with the cans. Yeah, it's unusual, but I'll take it. Nice. I got two cases of cans I gotta burn through. You love the can. Yeah. Not a, no, not really. You don't like the really? cooler? No, I don't like, I don't like the... You're not a cooler man? The, nope. Huh. Yeah, you're more of a chest man? Oh, yeah. I like the chest, okay. Yeah, chest of drawers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you like the way Tony Daniel draws Wonder Woman, then? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> Just, yep. Disgrace. I like the way Mahmoud Asrar draws Wonder Woman. I think. Well, wait a minute. No I mean, Mahmoud. See, Mahmoud could draw I was kind of poking fun at Tony Daniel. You were. I mean, you were not poking fun at Mahmoud. No, I like the way Tony Daniel draws Wonder Woman, but I love the way Mahmoud draws Wonder oh, Woman. Yes. I think he is a natural for that character. He should be on that for not to slight anybody who's on it now. Liam Sharp. Uh, no, they're great. 
but make a third Wonder Woman book or second and, and put Mahmoud on it because he is brilliant with the character. Or uh, his commissions uh, 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 are on fire. Yeah, like, especially that blink he's going to be working on for New York Comic Con. go. Well, if I had a pick, I'd go with Diana for Blink. Yeah. No offense. Oh no offense. He, uh, he posted what, uh, the commissions for, was it Fan Expo, Toronto? Yeah, so. so yeah. There was some good looking shit there. Just, Whatever Marvel's paying, yeah, it's not enough. It's definitely not enough. He could do a backup with just the Amazons. Yeah. Let him do covers. Mm-hmm. Just get him on some, some facet of Wonder Woman. Show you right. Just, yep. I love his stuff. Uh, oh my god. Uh, there we go. Uh, let's see. I, we, yes. we, um, what should I? <laughs> Welcome to PBS. <laughs> uh, while we were traveling about over the weekend, we stopped in at the, um, Hudson Valley Distillers up in, uh, up in Dutchess, all, not all the way up Route 9, but on Route 9, real easy to get to, um, of course, it was humid as hell. We're inside a barn where 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 they make their products. Fucking hot as hell. We had a nice little um, nice little educational uh, tour as far as everything that they make. So I uh, I left there with a bottle of Chancellor's Hard Scrabble Applejack. Hard Scrabble being the um, the road that uh, that the Chancellor. Uh, that his estate was on. So, uh, this is pretty, th- it, it's, it's made primarily with, with apples, but it doesn't, it doesn't taste like juice or cider or anything like that, but it is, uh, it, it's a little on the strong side. It is pretty, it, it's, it's made, it's kind of like a brandy, but it is made, it's, it's aged in, uh, in whiskey barrels. So, I mean, it, it's, it's made just like a whiskey. It's just, um, doesn't use the same kind of uh, like malt ingredients that uh, that a whiskey does. So yeah, I like it. Nice. It's not too sweet. It is not sweet at all. Good. Yeah, no. So cool. We got that out of the way. Do we have any thank yous? I I don't. I don't think, I think so. Do. Cool. People be slacking. This week is really strange yeah. so far. Yeah, uh, I told David, Jason probably didn't hear it because he never, or see it because he's never on the damn slack huh. anymore. Uh, Wednesday, I'm down at the comic shop and I noticed a man perusing the, the, the racks and I looked to, um, comic, I was at Comics on the Green, Scranton. And I, I looked at, uh, Matt who works there and he, I gave him that inquisitive eye and he's like, yeah, that's him. Who shows up at the comic shop? Dan Parent. Oh, nice. I saw that. Yeah. He brought, uh, he had some of his Die Kitty Die books. Nice. And I didn't even know Dan was local or, or relatively mm-hmm. local to me. Where's he from? Do you know? No clue. No. But friggin' Dan Parent right there. Nice. That's pretty cool. Just so like some, hey, I talked to him a little bit, but I didn't want to bother him. I was like, hey, Dan, love your stuff. What's up? You should have been like, see you, dog? Other than that, I say, yeah, give my girl a big hug and a kiss. Yeah. Wait, who did she? Giselle. Yeah, Giselle. Legacy. All the Archie what? stuff, Bo. Yeah, I know. He also, he Archie. did a stint on, uh, Menage A3. Yeah, and they worked on, uh. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah. And, and one oh, of the, uh. Okay. One of the reward tiers, I believe, 
you were uh, oh, okay. you were getting a damn parent commission and stuff. All right. All right. Speaking of uh, Miss Legacy, Ms. That Betty Boof stuff is is looking hot. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm bleeding money as far as comics these days. It's good. Yeah, I guess. It's wonderful. So many Sporting good things to choose love. from. It's true. Do you guys hear Terry Moore announce his new series? No. no. Is it a is it a horror? No, no. It's uh, it's it actually sounds a little bit like Monkey Man and O'Brien. Terry, not but, not not Tony. It's... Terry Moore, yeah. No, I made a promise to Jason that I would buy into Terry Moore's new series and read the whole well, thing. It's about with a him. woman and her gorilla. That's fine. I'm in there. Yeah, I'm in there. Is it pulpy? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope <Yeah>. so. Mm. <laughs> Terry's I would love it. I doubt it's pulpy. Oh, dick, dick, dick. <laughs> I would love it if it's if it's steep in the pulps. I'd be like, ha ha. Let's read it. I didn't. All right, let's uh, while we got while we're in the groove here, let's move on and talk about some comics yeah, proper. That is why we're here, after all. It is. Who wants to go first? You do. Sounds like you do. I don't. No, I don't, because I'm going to go long. You always go long. <laughs> it's, it's the way we live. About. I love how he says it like he said for like it's surprising. Right? It's like, oh. I guys have a lot of notes. All right. Did you read the Supergirl? Of course. Well, Supergirl Rebirth. Yes. David, you read it too as well. <laughs> two as well also. Two as well, yes. Uh, uh Written by Steve Orlando. Uh Pencils by Emanuela Lupacino. Girl. Inks by Ray McCarthy and color art was by Michael Atia. I hope I'm saying that right. Atia. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I'm not in love with it the way I was, uh, Superwoman number one. Uh, I thought it was, it was fun. No, it was fun. I love, we'll break it down for the people playing at home. Um, I guess they're trying to make, uh, bridge the gap between Kara's DC universe, uh, continuity and the stuff going on in the TV show. Because, uh, when this opens, the Department of Extra Normal Operations, which, here's the plus, is directed by Cameron Chase, they're helping Kara regain her powers by plunging her into the heart of the sun. She's in a ship. A retrofitted Kryptonian technology ship that's powered by, uh, Phantom Zone power. Mm-hmm. And, um, she plunges into the sun and it does the job because it's a yellow sun and her powers are restored. And Kara is visited from someone from her past, um, Lar An, who was a Kryptonian from Argo City, um, who her father, Zorel, banished because Lar An was a carrier of the dreaded red kryptonite sickness. So if you know your your Superman history, red kryptonite is the unpredictable one. You never know what kind of effect the red kryptonite's going to produce. Like if you're talking what green, you know, or white, you know, it kills plants. But uh red kryptonite, it's a mystery. And um since Argo was the remaining fragment of kryptonite floating in space uh zorel couldn't risk it he couldn't um risk the people getting sick or or but you know nasty things happening so he banished lauron to the, the the phantom zone and if you remember what i said kara's ship 
was based on Kryptonian tech uh, powered by a phantom drive, well, things happen, and the uh, Laron is spit out of the of the Phantom Zone onto Earth, and he's not happy. Not at and all. And in this, no, and in this instance, the Red Kryptonite sickness manifests as some kind of weird lycanthropy, and he transforms into this Kryptonian werewolf type creature, and he attacks Supergirl, and hijinks ensue, and it was fun, but I don't think it it had the the excitement or the depth that Superwoman uh, re- re- number one mm-hmm. had. You feel the same way? Um, I I enjoyed it, but I think you're right in describing it as light. Like I, it was fine, but I wasn't. I didn't come away so compelled that I am stoked to have it on my list. Huh? See, you know? Superwoman was was meaty. There was a lot. Yes, to, well, to too just... meaty for my taste, though. Okay. Oh, boy. But there was a I lot. I told you that. I thought to, yeah, no, you did. You oh, did. I know. Um, but I mean, you really got your money's worth with, with, with Superwoman. There was a lot to take in. Uh, this is, is definitely a little on the lighter side, uh, as far as, you know, the action, the pace, the, the, the uh, it's not as jam packed as Superwoman is. It's not, it's, it's not stuffed to the gills and, and, uh, I'm not, I, my biggest turnoff with Supergirl is probably the lettering. There is so much space in these word balloons. It's, it's, it's killing me because I like the art. Lupacino's art is, is, is pretty sharp, especially when, when drawing Supergirl, um, and, and her, her foster parents. I, there isn't a lot to, uh, complain about art wise, but, uh, that's just, that's, my major gripe. And, and Cameron Chase looks, looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm just wondering why this issue isn't clicking harder with me because the buttons are being pushed here. Um, Cameron Chase, there's one, a Kryptonian werewolf, <laughs> ding, right? That, uh, Supergirl to begin with. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the art is fantastic. I, I don't, and, and the, the, the promise of He's something. At the end. The tease at the end is, yeah, uh, right up my alley. So I don't understand why this issue isn't really resonating with me. Yeah. I, I, there, you see, you, your problem is, you said the lettering. Yeah. Mine is the alter ego. Why? The Danvers part I get. Right. Because that's legacy. I mean, she was known as Linda Davis. Yeah, but I mean, to, to use the same name as your alter ego is a little... Right. Why would you pick Kara? That's your name. It also is a little too much like Carol Danvers, I think, for me. But Oh. But yeah, I mean, again, it, that that seems to just be the connection to this TV show. I don't know if Kat Grant's going to show up and, and, and yelling out Kira whenever she shows up if, after she graduates. And it's, you know, it's National City. That's fine. It, it, it's... it's um. You have this this page death looking chick, and uh, yeah, Spooky's gonna give her when, when she's walking through the halls. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, the last thing I remember about Supergirl is pretty much when the New Fifty Two started and Mahmoud was doing the art there, and and I kind of left when he left and never really looked back. So I know very little about New Fifty Two Supergirl or what she was doing prior to Rebirth how she lost her powers, anything like that. I don't know. 
Yeah, nor do I. Although, I mean, having not read it, it wasn't hard to, to, uh, yeah, it's a great jumping off. Gro- yeah, to, to, to grok that she just had lost her power, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fine. I thought it was a fine setup issue. I, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't, like I said, leave me with a wild anticipation of what's to come, but, um, the art looked good, like you said. I, I think I'm a little off put by the fact that the boss is also a super young hot blonde, and then the mom. Yeah, there's a is lot of blonde chicks blonde. in this. Show, like, in this I mean, I, Emanuela yeah. must like hot blonde chicks, but uh, which is fine. I do too. But I mean, it was a little weird just in terms of character design to have all three of them look so much alike. But but see, I'm a little bit confused why they picked Emanuela to to draw this because. The regular series is going to be drawn by Brian Chan. Right. And That's, it looks really, I saw the cover to that issue and it looks yeah. really cartoony. So, oh, I love oh, it. I'm a little bit I lo- uh, yeah, I love it. And I'm thinking, well, why would they start the rebirth issue off with a style of art that bears, bears very little resemblance to the, the ongoing? But th- that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the only it is a, issue they did that with though. Right. There's going to be a culture shock. Uh, with issue number one because it's not going to look like this. Yeah, and I think that'll probably be the nail in the coffin for me. I have no interest in reading like a kitty book looking version of Supergirl. But it's not, yeah, you should Google Brian Ching's work. It's really oh, not. Familiar. Yeah, I think he's great. Well, I don't um, think he's a bad cartoonist. I just think he's, I just don't, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't think he's right for drawing an attractive woman as a lead character. Yeah. His Conan the Avenger stuff was fantastic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, I get what you there. But it's uh, she wears the S, and it's it's Kara. So, I and so totally... we just is the is the is the conceit Android Superman only with with tits? Is that what we're talking about? No, we... no, it's it's the it's the cyborg Superman according to the cover of. Well, that's what I meant. The, that. Oh, not and cyborg. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. It's it's she's not female. It's it's him. Wait, no, that's definitely a female at the end. Um, maybe, but in the cover for issue number one, it's, it's the cyborg Superman on the cover of that. I mean, look at the, well, okay, it's a cyborg, no, but I'm saying it's a cyborg Superman opening up the. Right. And then there's someone else. It's a female cyborg inside there is what I'm saying. Right. So we don't know. Maybe there'll be two of them. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting because, um, Hank Henshaw was in the Lois and Clark miniseries leading up to. Oh, see, this is where DC pisses me off. Why? That trade should be out. It should be. Oh, yeah. It, that, that should trade should Which, have been in our hands. It, it, was, it was pissing our Clark off because he's, he, he sees the, uh, the shuttle crashing to earth. He, he, he catches it, brings it to an island. Mm-hmm. And when he rips it open, he just sees Hank Henshaw there. No idea where the rest of the crew is. And then, of course, Clark is dwelling on how much of a living hell his Hank Henshaw and his universe made his life. So, um, yeah, when that, when that story ended, um, we, they, they left Hank's, uh, fate open. And, and so, but I, I don't think Argo City, you know, present day, I don't think this cyborg is, is Hank. Okay. Where is Argo City right now? Do you know? No. Hmm. no, I don't have a clue. Maybe it's in Batman's moon base. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Okay then. All right. So at least we tag teamed on that. I thought it's it's a it was fun. I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm hoping for more with the ongoing. You think there's a lot of people that aren't that are just reading the rebirth issues and they'll be like, yeah, not going to make the jump to the series. Sure, I think a lot of people tried a lot of the rebirth Especially and so will stay with some and not stay with others. So, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to start off the rebirth issue with a creative team that's not no longer going to be there when the series starts. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you do have, a, they were just talking about this in the shop uh, on Wednesday that someone really liked Brian Ching's work but saw this and they're like, what's going on here? And Dave had explained to them that the art's going to change when the the ongoing starts. And they were just like, why? Mm. And it wasn't a question that he could answer. You know, so. It was the same thing with, uh, was it Superman Rebirth? Because Clark was looking for, uh, he was trying to bring back the new 52 Superman. He's like, well, I died. I came back to life. Yeah, but that was Mankey. Right, but I'm saying though, still, it was a different artist before the, uh, true. Yeah, that's true. But he, at least Mankey's pitching in. And I, and, um, and Nightwing, because Yannick Paquette did the rebirth issue for that, and that's not, uh, Fernandez is drawing the Nightwing series. And I think the same thing with Detective Comics. That wasn't, I don't think Barrows did the rebirth issue. I may be wrong, but I don't think he did. Okay then. So this isn't, this isn't unusual. It's, especially though, like you said, with, you're going from Doug to Gleason, Mm -hmm. that's not so jarring. But to go from Emanuela to Brian Chang, that might, or, you know, Otto Schmidt to Ferreira, you know, there's some things where, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the Otto Schmidt to Ferreira in, in Green Lantern is a huge swing. It is. It's not bad, but it's not, it, oh wait, what? it, yeah. it looks good, but wait, wait, Schmidt's gone. <laughs> no, no, um, Ferreira, Juan Ferreira is doing, I guess, the occasional issue or two. Five or, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm a, I like the Schmidt too much. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure he'll be back because five ends the first arc, and Ferreira did that one. So I'm guessing Otto will be back in a couple of weeks. Okay. So you're all right. You got to, you got to keep reading it though. No, I will. I, I, I've been enjoying it, so I'm not. I'm not planning on stopping. Great stuff. Y'all get on that uh, that Justice League tip. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, I did too. Wait, Good. what does that mean? No. I, yeah, I, I read issue one. Uh, yeah, farther than I did. For reals? I wasn't yeah. feeling it. I wasn't feeling. I, I mean, it's, and it, I, I don't. I just. It, I. That is part of what made me. Uh, bring up Hitch a few weeks ago and, and how, you know, I just, I, I think he is a solid artist on, on certain projects. I, I'm not floored by his writing and I am not a huge Daniel fan. So it's, it's to see, to see these two guys and oh, and so aside from the creative team, but this version, this, this, this roster of the Justice League, you have the Green Lanterns. Who I ain't thrilled with. You have there's just there's certain things. I mean, it'd be cool. I want to read about Superman working with this league, but I'm not. There's there's too many cons for me to uh, not spend the time to read it. When there are other things that 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 I'd probably get a bigger kick out of. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I I liked the I think the art was was fine, especially the the Wonder Woman sequences with the tanks, and the plunging into battle with the the, the lightning bolt. I thought I thought that was really well done. And this is my main complaint about Hitch. I thought issue one was way too widescreen. I mean, every other page, like the, then you had a double pages of Flash, uh, and then you know gigantic panels and. Um, of just destruction. Like, okay, the story's big, but that tells me this thing is going to pad out for at least five issues, six issues. Yeah, so I thought that the the first few pages, I thought got off to an awesome start with Wonder Woman. Amazing start, yeah. And I thought, yeah. oh, man, it's going to be a treat. But I was pretty much with y'all. I was just playing devil's advocate. I, I, I yeah, I, um... I don't know. I feel like I should care about this book, right? It, it by the way, was the number one selling book, I think. Uh, well, really? The last couple of months, but why, why is Clark cross-eyed? But uh, I thought there were some things that just right. rubbed me the wrong way. Like there was one scene. I don't know if it was this issue because I read all the first three issues. But at one point, Batman is like asking some dumbass question, and I'm like, "Why well, he wouldn't ask that?" Like Batman would tell them what's going on. He wouldn't ask them. Right. Like he's not. Like he wouldn't be unsure about that. Um. There was also I got this distinct feeling that uh, that uh, Homeboy is not a real sports fan because he's like there's a scene where Cyborg's gonna and again I don't know if it was in the first issue but there's a scene where Cyborg is going to uh, he's like I, I used to be a football player so I'm going to kneel down and remind me of that game in high school where I <laughs> where I ran really fast and hard at the linebacker and got past him and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, no no football player would ever speak that way. I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, he's got the sporting oh, yeah. news bookmarked. Yeah, yeah. So I will say Daniel works magic with, with Diana. It and he's good with Diana, but the the rebirth issue was the first turn on for me because Hitch drew that. Um and that's just there are Wonder Woman is not Attractive. There's there's just so much wrong in the rebirth issue. So when when Jason's like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm talking about Justice League. I'm like, all right, yeah, let me let me go back to issue one and see see what's uh see what's up. And and I think Daniel's art, I I like it here than I did on his Deathstroke reboot that he attempted. Uh, um, there and uh, and I I didn't stick around on his Detective Comics, so I don't know how consistent that was for him and i i don't think simon and jessica are justice league no. ready no they're not this should be hal i don't know what's going on with hal i i've yet to read yeah, no, I, that's the hal Jordan and, the, that. and the green lantern yeah. uh but uh if if you want to instill confidence in the the uh the lantern contingent within the league i don't think jessica and and simon are the ones to do it agree <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I, I see. I find them a little intriguing in the sense that I don't know them at all. So at least they're new characters, and I'm uh, and they're different. I mean, I, Simon's got a different kind of costume. Jessica can't can't really create constructs yet. She doesn't know how, so she's got a raw version of the power. I, I could get with that actually. I, I I found the core characters to be the ones I didn't care much about. Um, wow. So. Well. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I mean, I read the, the Rebirth issue in issue one. I'm going to read the rest of it until the end of this first thing, and then we'll see. I'll make make a decision then. But 
it's there's too many opportunities to just chew up uh real estate in this book it's just mm. too widescreen for me not feeling cyborg's outfit either the armor I, I don't know what's up with that chest emblem it's just it, it, there's noodling for the sake of noodling what the gear just the the, the big red and there, oh that was and yeah in the rebirth issue i thought that was ultron for a second wow that's, that's bad when you the think cyborg's dap i read uh, lady killer number 2 or i, I should say there lady killer go. 2 number 1 rather nice what you think um I thought it was all right. Oh, we're getting off to I know, I know. Well, <laughs> no, it, well, first of all, I was a little nervous because it wasn't Joel drawing it. Yes, but it is. The art... Oh, it is? I yeah. thought she did. Oh, okay. Well, then that explains it. I was about to say whoever, but the art was good. Okay. Well, then there you go. Wait, so did she, but she's not drawing the whole thing or is she? She is. Did, was there a follow-on series that she didn't draw? No, she did the, uh, I thought she, she was just doing series. the covers this time. No, 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 no. Oh, well, scratch that, because I was going to say it looks great. So there you go, that explains it. I think this is her baby. I think this is... I, I think she's writing it. Uh You're right, story and art. Yep. Yeah. Well, the art's tight. Uh I'm not sure I was feeling the story, though. I think it, it's... It didn't start off as strong as the first series, first issue. Right. I agreed. Agreed yeah. with you there. It's ultra-violent. It looks great. It's It's ultra-violent. And and Joel draws a heck of a beautiful woman. Yeah, but it was a little disjointed, a little nonsensical. I mean, I, it's supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be extreme, but but I, I didn't I didn't think it it made a it just it didn't flow to me. Like her actions didn't her actions seem more maniacal. Like right. she seemed more like a serial killer to me than a contract killer. And she kept saying how she was trying to make make it on her own now and yeah. start her own business. And I get that, but it just seemed like she was more of um like the the you know just the kind of person that anyone that made her mad she just killed. Versus being an assassin, right? So because yeah, we don't know where the contracts are coming from. We don't know who's who's giving her jobs. And then, and then the end is, I, I think it was all just kind of set up to the end of the issue where she's caught. Yeah. So we, 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 we seem to think that she's about to get caught. So, um, you know, and it, and, and it hits the familiar beats with, you know, remember her family and, and her mother-in-law and, you know, so now we're here in this new place and, um, trying to get a sense of, of this new environment, but. Some of it was familiar, but I, I, I agree with you about the disjoint. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to stick with it, though, because the art's beautiful. It is. So I'm going to give her her chance to do her thing. Cool. Pick us up, Vince. Pick us I got to pick yeah. us up. I got to give you some fun. You need to be happy. Yeah, you need it. And, and that's exactly what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some happiness. I... This week at the shop, I grabbed a bunch of... Er, late 70s, early 80s DC dollar comics. Always fun. Yeah, and if there was one thing that one certainty mm -hmm. from DC at that point was when you saw that masthead where it said dollar comics with the D and the C from the DC logo and and in the red and the yellow, right. you you knew one you were going to get your money's worth, two you're going to get a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. David loves them. Mm -hmm. He loves the dollar Love comics. The dollar so I bought a bunch, uh, but the one I want to talk about, um, cover date, May, June, 1978. Oof. 
is uh, Superman Family number 189. And it has a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez cover that is to absolutely die for. Now I'm going to try something different this week with the uh the new episode postings. Um normally I just dump it to the forum and there's a button there that says send to Facebook and then there's one that says send to Twitter. Right. But I don't I don't really have a lot of control over the images that go with it. Like it just takes it pulls the forum masthead and uses that on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And I can't, I don't think I can have it anymore because we talk about so many books and everyone doesn't buy everything we talk about. So I'm going to start including, where possible, an image or two from all of the books we talk about. Oh, nice. With the new episode postings on the Facebook. Wow. So I will post this cover to Facebook. And when you see it, I think I sent it on Slack um, a day or two ago. It is an amazing Garcia Lopez cover. Now, I know that's a bit redundant mm-hmm. when you talk Garcia Lopez. The guy is fantastic. But it's, it's um, well, I'll tell you. It, it's, there's a, a lot of black and white on it and okay. gray. But the, the, the detail is in color. It's a really sharply designed and executed cover. You'll see it on the Facebooks. But mm-hmm. this issue, Superman Family 189, is a Kurt Schaffenberger Palooza. Not one, but three stories penciled by Kurt Schaffenberger for a total of 33 pages. 34 if you count the contents page. He did that too. Um, And DC editorial must have been snoozing because Schaffenberger's name is spelled two different ways within this issue. They spelled it wrong in the one story. Um... So it starts off with our buddy Jimmy Olsen mm-hmm. in a story called Night of the Looters, written by Tom DeFalco, pencils and inks by Kurt Schaffenberger, color by Mario Sen. It just starts off ridiculous and gets even more so by the end of the third Schaffenberger story. There's a ridiculous villain called the King Cougar. Okay. You need to see this guy, and you will if you go to our Facebook page. Uh, he has a gold crown, a big, big ass porn mustache, <laughs> gigantic night vision goggles. Mm-hmm. He's dressed in green and yellow. He's got a big snarling cougar as his chest emblem and he wears gigantic thigh high pirate boots. Ridiculous, right? So King Cougar and his ner- nerdy henchman Bentley, they want to test this weapon. They got a weapon. It's called the nullifier. What does it do? Well, when it's turned on, it eliminates all power at the at its target. Like, okay, this is your nullifier. This is a far cry from what I know a nullifier to be. Mm-hmm. But so they point the nullifier on a section of Metropolis um, known as the Roman Quarter, home to aspiring artists, writers, and guests. Jimmy Frickin' Olsen mm, nice. lives there, so he's making dinner for his his girlfriend Barbara Bench. Right? Everything goes dark. So the nullifier obviously works. The target was, the test was a success. And by eliminating the power in a certain section of Metropolis, that would allow King Cougar's goons, who are all wearing these special night vision goggles, to go in under the cover of darkness and loot the place. Right? But Jimmy busts up a jewelry store heist, um, it doesn't matter because the test is successful and King Cougar 
uses the nullifier on all of Metropolis. Mm. It's it's a cool story, but you could tell that they were trying to bolster Mr. Olson at this point mm-hmm. because he does not use the signal watch in this entire story. He gets out of the thick of things through his own devices. Mm-hmm. And you can say that, like, in Superman Family, you would expect to see stories of Supergirl, Superman, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, uh, Crypto, and others. And they didn't rely on Superman. Which is a good way to, to increase the mojo of a character, especially Jimmy Olsen. Like nobody thinks Jimmy Olsen, uh, considers Jimmy Olsen as like a, a prime fighter, but he holds off King Cougar's goons until he's clocked in the head by a flashlight. I mean, he beats the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't know. I don't think of Jimmy Olsen as like a scrapper, but, um, there's a montage in here. This made me laugh where, um, King Cougar's in this the middle of this wide panel, and there are four rays emanating from his head that break up the panel into four sections, like an X behind his head. So at the top, you have bombs going off in Metropolis and buildings falling, right? Then in the right-hand side, you got somebody stirring up dissension. He's he's standing on a soapbox, and there's everybody listening to him. The fists are raised, and he's like, Um The bottom panel... You have a police car just screaming by, going to thwart evil. But on the left-hand side, it shows a pack of looters, right, <laughs> leaving a furniture store. And there's a dude smiling, carrying a TV set, a picture tube TV set, which you would have taken if you were so inclined to loot something, right? You'd go for the TVs, right? But there's a guy in the back who has an ottoman over his head, like, I'm going to steal an ottoman, right? <laughs> and then there's another dude in the foreground who has this cheap-ass busted lamp. And it looks like he's got a smile on his face like he just stole a million dollars. I got a lamp. Uh, but King Cougar has an honest-to-God cougar uh, as a sidekick. Um, it's just a silly story. But Jimmy comes out mm-hmm. on top in the end. Oh, and I meant to tell David... Uh, and another part of them, like they were trying their hardest to link shit together. Black Lightning's in this for one panel. Huh. Yeah. Is Isabella Gesta? No, it's just, it's Black Lightning and, and the, the, um, the looters criticize him. Cause he's like, man, why are you stealing all this shit? You, this is not yours. And he like takes the TV from somebody and this one guy says, none of your jive Black Lightning. You're a vigilante, a bigger crook mm-hmm. than all of us. Like, I don't think so. And um Superman's blowing out fires with his cold breath and Lois is moonlighting as a nurse. And she has enough work, but she she wants to moonlight as a nurse. But and then it goes from there to the Superman story. Um the mass murderer from Krypton. Guess who wrote this, Jason? Kurt Schaffenberg. No. Kurt Schaffenberger did the pencils. Guess who wrote it? No it's idea. your buddy. It's your buddy. Ooh. Jerry Conway. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Jerry Conway wrote it. Inks <sighs> by Tex Tex Blaisdell, right? So Superman's not thinking too clearly in this story. I don't know what's coming over Big Blue, but he is not firing on all cylinders because he gets a visit from an alien named Rolex. Like as in and Rolex is on Rolex is almost when, out of time. When pimped out? <laughs> no, no, he's sick. He's sick. He's a little green looking skinny alien, but he's got these red blotches all over him. He's like, 
leaning on shit, can't even stand up. He's like, Superman, I come from Sunworld 3 and, and you gotta help us because of the red plague and he just falls into a coma. So Superman takes him to the Fortress of Solitude, hooks him up into life support. And while he's doing that, Superman is visited by another alien from Sun World 3. This guy's name's Argon. He's the physician supremor of, of Sun World 3. And he gives Superman this antidote, this red plague antidote. And he says, Superman, you gotta do me a solid. Bring this antidote back to Sun World 3. This is gonna, this is gonna make everything right. So Superman, this is the part when he's, where he's not thinking. So you have an alien from Sun World 3 comes to you for help and collapses. Then you have another alien from Sun World 3 giving you the antidote, supposedly, to the, the malady that's inflicting the guy that's in your, your, um, life support chamber. Mm-hmm. It doesn't add up. If they had the antidote, why didn't that guy just take it? But so Superman's not, he's not, he's not considering the, the, the options here. So he takes the antidote and he races back to Sun World 3. As he does, he is, comes in the proximity of an asteroid. And the asteroid is made out of red and white kryptonite. See, here we go with the red kryptonite again. White kryptonite kills all plant life. Red kryptonite is unpredictable. Nobody knows what the hell it's going to do. If you're Kryptonian, you come into contact with red kryptonite, it's a crapshoot. In this instance, it turns Superman into a giant, planet-sized giant. He's as big as a freaking planet, right? So he grabs the asteroid and he flings it to the outer edges of the galaxy. And that's when I posted that picture of that creature with the thing. That's what tries to take it. Um, so after he brings the antidote to Sunworld 3, he returns to the fortress and Rolex is dead. He's dead. And the life support chambers all smashed to shit and Superman walks out of the fortress and there's Argon lying in a puddle of his own blah. He's inflicted with the, uh, the red plague too and he's mumbling woo, in, in his, in his stupor and he's saying something about tricking Superman into bringing not the antidote to Sunworld 3. Guy was a terrorist. He gave Superman the plague itself. And he handed it to a, an entire planet of people. So the question is, will Superman be party to mass murder? You gotta find out if you read the story. Of course he will. Nah. No. Superman, dude, no. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't so turn out that way. No. Uh, and the third Schaffenberger story. Features my gal Lois Lane in The Star Who Loved Lois Lane. Now, this title should be taken very literally because it was written by Tom DeFalco. Wow. Yep. Uh, inks by Blaze Dill again. Um, this is a really cool but very strange story because it ties into the events of Action Comics 480 to 483. Um, here's the gist of the story is long time ago, you have a red star. Go supernova, boom, explodes. This little tiny, tiny chunk of this star somehow was sentient. And this little speck is screaming across the galaxy for years and years and years and years and years, lots of years, and it's all, it's all alone. All it wants to do is to find somebody to share its existence with. This is a piece of star now, okay? Um, so it's, it's screaming through the galaxy and it encounters Superman on the way back 
from Sun World 3. Isn't that cool? That it's an anthology of super characters, but the stories play into one another. I like when they That's do that, cool. right? Yeah. It is. So, so this little speck notices Superman. He goes, hmm, I'm going to follow this guy because maybe he can lead to somebody, I'll, you know, I can get jiggy with. So Superman comes to Earth and the speck of this star encounters who? Lois Lane. Who is currently busting up illegal gambling operations with the human cannibal. He's ridiculous, right? So the, um, he really is ridiculous. And he's got like the hots for Lois. And Superman comes in the window and, uh, human cannibal goes, oh, so this is my competition. And he, and he tries to challenge Superman to like a feat of strength. Like, what are you dumb? You're a human. What can you possibly do? And Superman just crushes a piece of granite in his hand. And, uh, he, and Superman says, my, my grip is a lot stronger than that. I, I can do, I can do a lot more than that. And, but anyway, um, so the star, this piece of star finds Lois Lane and he says, I have to read this because it's just crazy. The psyche is stable and emits such a warm, soft energy, a perfect companion. We must unite consciousnesses. Now, I know by unite consciousnesses, that's not what he's really thinking, right? Dude, seriously? Um, but because the chunk was from a red star, why Superman can't do much against it. He he can't get near it. Um, and Cannonball's pretty ineffectual, even on a good day. So Lois is left to her own devices, just like Jimmy. Lois is going to get out of this on her own, right? Um, so the, the red star bonds with her consciousness and brings her into this fantasy world and tries to schmooze her and tell her how much he loves her. He just met her, right? Um, and it, it comes out good in the end. But three really beautifully d- d- uh, drawn stories. Because Schaffenberger, I, I don't have a whole lot of history with Schaffenberger as far as Superman goes. Like my go-to guy is Ross Andrew for Superman. Then Byrne, you know, and and everyone that followed him. But Schaffenberger draws a gorgeous Superman. Yes. He really does. Like, not barrel-chested like Swan or, 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 yeah, or boring, but, um, and, and even Andrew Superman was really a more buff Spider-Man. Yeah, he was with slender. The co- he was... Yeah, a little slender, but Schaffenberger's Superman, it reminds me a lot of C.C. Beck's. Yep. Shazam, but without the cartooniness. Yes. Like, there, there's a lot of the, uh, a lot of sculpting, a lot of, um, like Ed McGinnis. I think Schaffenberger is like his era's McGinnis. It's very stylized, very handsome. Everything is, um, larger than life, really beautiful Superman. But then when he draws like normal characters like Lois and Jimmy, they're very attractive. Um, a lot of other stuff in this issue I won't go into. There's a crypto story by Bob Toomey, uh, Juan Ortiz and Mario Sen. There's a dynamic duo of Candor Tale, um, Nightwing and Flameberg, which was written by Kupperberg. Ken Landgraf did the art with Romeo Tangal on inks. And it's all rounded out by a Supergirl story written by Jack Harris, pencils by Jack Abel, and inks by Frank Giacoya. Now, I went on and on and on about one comic that back in the day cost a buck. A buck. 80 pages of story and art. I wish. What would this cost today, David? About eight bucks? Seven ninety nine? Oh, yeah, easy. 
Easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a Superman movie report in the back. Marlon Brando plays Jor-El. And, uh, there's a letters page. It's just, just great, great, great stuff. And I got it for a paltry $2. Less than the price of a current comic. So what does that teach you? Kids. Number one, wake up Jason. Number two, there's gold in the back issue bins. Absolute gold. For not a lot of money. That's true. So seek. It's there. Go ahead. I gave you fun. Obviously wasn't enough. Jason. Is he even there? Probably hit mute. What the hell? Oh my god. What else you got, David? Yeah, he is. Not. What else you have? Uh, let's see. Um, well, you just talked about Superman, so we won't. Um, we won't talk about Suicide Squad. Green Arrow. Why can't we talk about Sue? Oh, you mean the comic yeah. Suicide Squad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Green Arrow. Number five ends this first arc with, uh, the death and life of, uh, <laughs> Green Arrow. Um, that is the title of the series, right? Of the issue, of the story. I, I think so. Let me bring it up. You, you talk. I'll bring it up. Um, the, where the hell are we? Wow. Wow, what? It is issue five already. Yeah. Holy crap. These books are screaming out. Yeah. I'm loving it that they're coming out so fast. Yeah. So we, um, everything comes to, uh, it's the inferno. That's the name of the issue. Yeah. But it, so everything ends up coming back to, um, everybody's motives are, uh, explained and, and, whether or not uh Ollie was dead and and Dinah not knowing and uh Ollie's half sister trying to kill him and uh, something in the uh in their past between Ollie and Diggle, which you can kind of piece together from from their exchange but don't know much about it, but yeah. So, so you um, you find out who is behind Ollie losing his fortune, losing his company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dine is getting to the bottom of it at the same time. The the dudes with the masks and 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 the burned faces. They um, their reason for being is is explained. So it's oh, it, it was it was a good. I don't know if we needed five issues to get here, but I, I enjoyed the ride. The, uh, the art, the, the Schmidt art, the first couple issues was absolutely stunning. We all love it. The, uh, the Frere art is, is, is fine and it works. Uh, it's just different than Schmidt. The, some of the action, uh, may not have the same flow, but it's, uh, I thought as far as establishing these characters, although it's hard to say where everybody is because by the end of the fifth issue, um, 
Ollie's not with the group again. And, and it's like yeah. Green Arrow two steps forward and three steps back. And it's, I'm, I'm just a little worried about that island. The island of scars. Yeah, I just don't want to go through the whole. Yeah, no, I don't want him walk home in the beach and he's like, "Oh, this is just like when I was stranded on an island." I yeah, an archer. yeah. Uh, With my coconut. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so, the uh, yeah, I thought for I think it's a little strange to go from Schmidt to Ferreira. Now, if you're going to package this in a trade paperback, all five issues, and one chapter is Otto Schmidt, and then you get to Ferreira, it's too different. And I know I sound like you. Oh, you know? snap. I do. I do sound like you. But and, and it, it, I, I, like, I like both of these artists. I think they're both very, very good. But I don't think... I think editorial should have thought about this a little bit more because they're not copacetic styles at all. You got Ferreira's is, is very three dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, it is. A lot of lights and shadows, full process, beautiful. But Otto Schmidt is more line art it's more designy it's more graphic kinetic. yeah it's... And, and and it's more right it's more well i don't know about more kinetic but it it's it's more um visceral than the the ferreras which is more there's a lot of sh- surface sheen to it and a lot of 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 sparkles it's not as complimentary and, and, as say liam and and nicola on wonder woman right which right. are different well, and, and, and they, they they work because they're telling two different stories but but it's still you still know who they're still doing a great job working together more or less and you know you can say the same thing with uh uh on the superman book i who um who filled in for glees with the last issue not not the current one that's monkey but the one before that I it really was, liked. Yeah. Um, uh, Juan. Uh, Jimenez. Was it, Jimenez, oh, this, Jimenez. Jimenez. Yeah. So yeah. that was, that I really liked. And that, that worked. There was nothing, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so jarring where you're like, wow, this is. No, it was close. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was in the ballpark where this, this almost looks like, okay, if you got some, the, I think the, the Otto Schmidt is almost noir-ish. Where this is just, it's a little bit in the animated realm with, with all the, the very painterly shadings and modelings going on. So it looks like that, it could be in heavy metal. Uh, yeah, not currently. You're not no, doing it no. by saying that. Um, but no, and I'm not saying that Ferreira is any way in the shadow of, of Otto Schmidt. I think they're both on the same Playing field, the level plane, but it's just that the styles are too different for 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 one story. I don't know. No, I agree. I agree. I enjoyed it, but yeah, I I think uh, it was a pretty solid opening arc, letting you know who everybody is, what they're doing, who they're what they're up against, and uh, and now Ali is on an island, just like the TV show, and Supergirl is. Very similar to the TV show. So I'm wondering if, and 
we're not going to talk about the Suicide Squad comic, but that team, that squad is very much like the movie. So, yeah, we can. I think we could talk about the comic just for a second. The backup story by uh, Fabak was really good. Yeah, I I don't think it was uh, Jim Lee's strongest work. I agree. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about suck. There still is a level of accomplishment within Jim Lee's work that's not going to go away. No, I'm but, kidding. It, 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 the, the art didn't suck, but you know, I don't know, man. Like Jim Lee just doesn't do it for me the way he used to. It just feels it feels dated. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like like not not as dynamic as it used to feel, maybe. Okay. I mean, you know, just the cover's great. I think he did a fine job on the cover. And there are, there are isolated pockets, which is redundant because all pockets are isolated. There are pockets of brilliance in this thing. Oof. I don't know if I'd go that far. No, I, I think, I think there are. Oh, like the page where, you know, Waller's sitting down, the squad's all around him. That's a nice drawing. Oh, you mean the art? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice drawing, and then you know, the 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 mostly orange page with with um, Croc and Harley and everybody coming into free fall. That's a nice page, but when Jason Fabak overshadows Jim Lee in terms of, I mean, there's something going on. Right. And not again, not to slight Jason Fabak, but the backup is better than the main story. I just thought the story was a little wonky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you got, it's like partially playing for laughs, partially not. And I know that that's not a new thing with the Suicide Squad, but I think it's a delicate balance. And I don't think they quite found the right balance in this issue. Like the, like Killer Croc throwing up in his helmet. Yeah. It's like, really? I mm-hmm. mean, that, like that's the, that's the, that's the big intrigue. They got to try and get, get his helmet off to prove that they care about him. It's like, really? Um, yeah. And you know why there's a backup? Right, because Jim Lee's oh, drawn the main story. It's only thirteen pages, yeah. and although this is a backup story, that because I'm sure the next issue will have a personnel file on Harley or Croc or someone. So there's going to be it's 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 going to be a thirteen page Jim Lee story for the next seven months or so. And they'll give you the old yeah, but when it's collected, it's going to look stunning. Yeah. And and that may that may be true, but. I don't know. This isn't I, this isn't a biweekly book, right? No way in hell. I think well, it three is. Three are out already, right? So, no, no. two. I'm sorry, two. Yeah. So, yeah. well, the re- did Jim Lee draw the Rebirth issue? No, no, no Tan did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really for me. And i I wanted to, I wanted to give this Suicide Squad issue a shot because I saw the movie last weekend, but I also recently tried to read the first volume of the previous Suicide Squad series, which right. was a mess and a half. The one neat thing about it was that uh, Tom Derrick did the breakdowns for, for, for the entire arc. Mm-hmm. But you still had a few different artists, uh, almost every other issue. But the story itself, Deathstroke was in it. I'm like, how the hell, how does this, how is this a mess? You know, Deathstroke and Deadshot in the same. <laughs> how, how are you going to lose me? 
how is this a mess? How, I don't understand. I don't know you do this. So <laughs> I was just like, this was so the opposite of good. It it's tough, yeah. You you would think it was it'd be one of them formulas where it'd be like DC's X Men, something that's just gonna click. You know, that just works. But awesome. I don't know, it's the same thing. I wasn't feeling the uh the new fifty two Suicide Squad. Mm. Right from the get go. I mean it was okay, but Harley drives the book, obviously. And if you want to read good Harley just head on over. There's a there's a segue. Head on over to the the Palmiati Connor book, which Music to my I, ears. I was way late to the party. Love to love ya. Yeah, way late. And um so I, I've been reading it. I'm not completely caught up. Uh I think I read up to issue twenty, twenty one. But um this is a, a a deal that I find the most compelling about Superman and Spider Man. It's not the main character that completely drives the book. I mean the supporting cast does a lot of the heavy lifting and I find that in Harley too. Like like little little Tony or Big Tony. Yeah. I think he's he's hysterical. Mm-hmm. And and he's he's so I don't want to say lovable, but there's something very likable about him. And and um, what's his name? Mason, the son that that gets out of jail and and falls head over heels yeah. over over Harley, and she keeps because of her lifestyle, you know, he thinks she's giving him the runaround, and um, and then 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 there's that. That's the thing I like about Harley too. She loves. She's doesn't discriminate between sexes. She loves, whether it's Ivy or this Mason guy, like love is love. She doesn't care. It's true. What, what gender you are. That's great. I love that about Harley. Mm-hmm. And then she'll just beat somebody to death with a plunger. Yes. You know, she's, she's obviously crazy, but there's a humanity there. Like Deadpool has a little bit of that too. Yeah. But Harley's even more so. I think yeah. so. I think more. Only you know, I don't want to. Right, right. I don't want to say this to, you know, I don't want to rub you the wrong way. But I think Harley's more three dimensional than Deadpool. Oh, I'm with you there. You know, I'm. I, I, I dislike more Deadpool issues than I like. I, I love the character, but I think he's often mishandled. Um, but no, I, I um, Palmiotti and Connor can do no wrong with with this character. I think she's phenomenal. How do I mean? How do they explain the goat guy? Was he just in the sideshow? Because is he is he alien? Is he genetically engineered? Like uh, I I've read twenty issues and they don't really explain the goat. He's just a freak. Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but a lot of fun. Like and and it's well, you should read. read, uh, You should read like Harley's little black book and like Harley's. Oh, I, I believe me. I that's on the radar because Bisley. Yeah, is drawing a Lobo chapter, and her yeah, her team up is awesome. I mean, it's like it's like Brave and the Bold for with Harley Quinn. That's great. Why is it a dollar more? It's I don't know. It's it's got it's like I don't know if it's is oversized it or not. Pace? I don't know. I got to be honest. I I I don't. This is going to sound strange <laughs> to some, but I don't I don't know. Like I don't know how much any given comic costs these days. Yeah, like I don't ever. I really don't know, like, like I was listening to uh, No Apologies and Daryl was talking about um, the Marvel versus DC market share and they're going at it in a much different way right now, which is the interesting thing in that, you know, DC's putting out the, a lot of their books bi-weekly 
but much many, but fewer few so fewer titles but lots of issues but they're charging 2.99 for most of them we're mm-hmm. putting them out twice a month whereas Marvel's doing a much broader title line but once a month and charging 4.99 for most and um and uh, I, I mean, I, I had no idea that that was the case until he said that. Like, I, I didn't know that the Marvel books were four ninety nine and the DC books were two ninety nine. So, yeah, real talk, I will not buy a four ninety nine comic. It's, I don't care if I get a discount; I'm not buying it. Ain't happening. Okay. Can't give up the Marvel stuff. Well, no, I'm not asking you to, <laughs> but and 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 it's a little silly when I'm buying two ninety nine twice a month. Right, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But it's a buck seventy nine with our discount, so it's less than the price of one issue at the other guys. So for it's it's a trade off, but there's there is no way in hell I'm paying five dollars for a, a standard size thirty two page comic. I can't I can't do it. Can't have it. I can't have it. No, no. But uh, Brett Blevins did the layouts mm. on Harley Quinn too. Um, I like this Chad Harden guy. I yeah, think you just got a Domino yeah. commission from him. You're on the mark with Chad Harden. He is fantastic. It's interesting. Chad Harden had a little bit of a controversy this week. Why, why? He was at a con. I don't know which. Um, that escapes me. But I guess he's been unhappy of late with the amount or lack thereof of art that he sells at his cons. Ooh. So he said, and again, I, I should know. I don't know offhand which con he was talking about, but he made a reference to the fact that he was going to start charging for his signature because oh. he, if people weren't going to support him on his art, he needs to make a living. And if people are going to tr- just come up to his table all day to have him sign books, he needs to make some money off of it. And as you might imagine, he got a tremendous amount of pushback on that. A tremendous amount of pushback from other artists or from fans. Uh, I don't know about artists. I was fans basically, at least that I saw. Um, and I chimed in because we've, we've, I mean, just to Facebook acquaintances, I guess. And <clears throat> since I bought the art from, we've had a few, few chats back and forth. And, uh, he had already had hundreds of responses by this point. And so I, but I, you know, I just chimed in. I said, listen, Chad, you know, obviously, as you, as you noted, it's the way you make your living, feed your family. So you're entitled to do whatever you want. I said, now, the way I would look at it, and I've always been frustrated by this as a fan, I, I find it extremely strange that so many comic creators are willing to sit there and sign 50 books from one person for no charge when we all know that that person is getting those books signed to flip them. So I said, but what, but rather than charge for every signature, which I think kind of is not super cool because some people just generally want your autograph because they love you. I would have a situation where I would sign one, two, maybe even five books for free and then charge a buck ever after. So that way the dudes that are there to flip your signature and make money off of your variants you get some money from, and then the people that are real fans don't feel put out, you know. Now I don't, I don't know if he even cared about my comment, but that, I, but just it was interesting. I mean, he kind of sparked a controversy about whether it's cool or not to charge for signatures, and um, you know, I'm a capitalist, so I don't have any issue with it. But I just think from I, he, the guy strikes me as a nice guy, and he's just frustrated of late. And I, I would, I would hate to. I, I think someone that charges for their signature would very quickly become unloved and a pariah at cons. Yeah, Neil Adams. <laughs> but even that's a little different, right? In that he makes a, he he's he's been doing that for a long time, and it clearly works, right? But that's because he's a legend, like truly a legend. And I think people feel like almost as if they're giving him a tip for the work that he's done all those all all, their, all those years, right? 
I mean, yeah. I think it's a dick move, but I think he, I mean he's been doing it for a long time, and clearly there's an, a market for him to do it. But mm-hmm. I think a, a current working artist, I, I don't think that would work too well. I really don't. Yeah. Well, see, I, I encountered something similar last uh, convention we were at. You know how much I love Basil Gobos. Yeah, yeah. One of one of the the, the artists mm-hmm. on Famous Monsters covers. The man is impeccable. He's amazing, and um, went up to his table. And he was charging $10 for a signature. Right, that's right. And I would say that Basil Gogos is, in his quarter of fandom, is as big a legend as Neil Adams. Mm-hmm. For different reasons, sure. obviously, but as, as large of a presence. Uh, he, he had as much impact in what he did as Neil Adams had on what he, he did. I just didn't think it was worth it. To give him ten bucks to to just sign his name, mm-hmm. and it kind of soured me on the. I mean, I, I still love the guy's work, right. and he he's regarded as a really sweet dude. Yeah, and he seems so, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't throw ten bucks at him to sign his name. Mm-hmm. You know, and his paintings are ridiculous. You can't even touch them. But um, back on the Harley, yeah, this Jed Doherty guy that did this pirate sequence in issue eighteen. They got to get him on a regular book. Yeah, he is phenomenal. Very it's good. It's just absolutely gorgeous stuff. Sexy too. That's the one thing. Like whether you're talking Harden or um, uh, obviously Amanda Connor or Doherty, there's a sexiness to Harley that's just like, no matter who does it, it's just wow. You don't you don't get this from from Deadpool. No. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get the sexy. Yeah. I love it. And the I'm The thing so I like ske- about this book, frankly, is the heart of it, which is to say that, I mean, Harley is a crazy character, right? I mean, right. she's insane by definition. She's, she's off the wall. And I think generally the way she's been portrayed has been too one dimensional and that she's just this, just almost clinically, well, not almost, but clinically insane schizophrenic that'll do anything at any time and almost, uh, almost an agent of chaos, right? And mm-hmm. I think she still is chaotic in this book, but she's also charming and loving and sweet and funny. And yeah. so she's still a maniac and she still has tons of crazy shit that happens around her. But, but you actually, yeah. I find myself liking her. I, I, I enjoy her as a, as a character. I mean, I, I, I'm rooting for her, right? To, to succeed. Right. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Jimmy and Amanda. They get a pass from me. Anybody else that created a scenario within their ongoing book, that wasn't answered within their ongoing book, but was answered in another series, I'd, I'd cry foul. But it just seems natural in this book. Like Power Girl and Harley go off on this spacefaring adventure in a miniseries. And it doesn't play out within the regular series. And then the, the whole gang of Harley things form in the, in the ongoing, but you, the adventures are in Harley and her gang of, of Harleys. And it's like, I would be like, what? This is ridiculous. I got to buy another series, but it just seems natural. Yeah. It seems honest when Jimmy and Amanda do it. Obviously it's, it's a cash grab, right? <laughs> but it, do, it doesn't seem excessive to me. It seems like a natural progression. Like this story is too big to be told within this ongoing. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it in a miniseries. And so it works. And that it, maybe because they're both really likable people. I don't know. I give them the pass. Whatever. Yeah. 
I am with you. So what else do we have? So you haven't read Chat the, box. uh, so I'm gathering though by where you have not read the first few issues of the, of the rebirth. No, I did. I just don't know who everybody is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, like the, um, the guy that looks kind of like Deadpool. The one that has the mask and the red and the black. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea who he is. The one that they chuck in the, in the, uh, yeah, yeah. the catapult. Like, who is that? Where does he enter the story? Well, I mean, I don't remember which, I'm not, like, towards the end of the, the, the last series ends with, I think, issue 30, right? So. So, am I to guess that he's like a, a Deadpool kind of clone? Or, or something Probably. akin to Deadpool? Because they cut his arm off in this issue and they just kind of like duct tape it back on. The, or and they, you they also use, see his different, uh, the inner monologue and the different saws and, and the, the, you got the buzz yeah. saw and the... Yeah, no, they yeah, don't I mean, duct tape I mean, his, his arm. His name is just, Red Tool, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that his yeah. name? Red Tool. I get it. Okay. But, I mean, I'll encounter him sooner or later. Yes. And was the um, aliens interacting with the cows supposed to be a riff on the, oh, the scroll, scroll Kill crew? I assume so, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. But, um, again, Chad Harden. Holy crap. Yeah, and his pages are ch- chock full of stuff. Yeah. That's why, you know, it just... See, I, I can't get a beat on you because... This book is dense. This first issue of Harley is really it dense. Is. And you're just like, you're like, all right, it's cool. I like it. Uh, I think because it's funny. It's not just exposition. It is funny. It's not super well. Right. I've yet to read a Harley book that, that, you know, there's not laugh out loud stuff on every page, no. but the humor is like smirk worthy. Absolutely. It, it, it at least makes me grin. So, you know, there's that. And it's it's damn sexy. Yeah, I mean she's getting the spa treatment with uh Ivy and and then she said uh you know, uh Ivy's talking about well if, if humanity ended the earth might have a chance to survive and and uh, Harley says, And who would massage my butt? And then the masseuse says, I do not massage butts and then she's like, Your lost mind's a fun factory. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. Um what is it about uh Ivy though? Um Harley seems to throw herself at her. And um, Ivy kind of like, she doesn't turn her away, but they, she's not, she doesn't seem very eager to, to get in the thick of that it. That goes back to Gotham City Sirens with the new 52 and, uh, yeah. and probably even before that. Yeah. Cause there was the, uh, I think they've, they've hooked it up though. I think there was the Bruce Tim miniseries. Yeah. I think, I think they, I think they, they, they do little carpet. Uh, right. But Harley's like salivating for it. Whereas Harley's, Ivy's, yeah, she's like a nail. He's horny. Yeah, she's horny. I ain't got a problem with that. Right. Hook up with the Scissor Sisters. Yes. It's, it's rude. Rude and crude. No, but very, very surprisingly good. Yeah, I shouldn't have been because I know from, uh, my history with Palmiati on, uh, Jonah Hex, he's a good writer. And Amanda's great too, so I shouldn't have been surprised, but Agreed. I'm very pleasantly so. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm in. And I got to go back and get all the trades. Yeah, it's interesting. They can do Blevins did the, that's interesting to me. Ah, oh, Blevins is a god. But I mean, I wonder why that why he did it for this issue and that Chad did the finishes. I guess he maybe was just pushed for schedule. Or maybe he pitched in. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Blevins is the regular artist on the book. 
No, no. Harden still did the finishes. Yeah. Because they, they probably wanted it to look yeah. like everything that has come before. But Blevins, I mean, if you need an artist to draw beautiful women, Blevins is right at the top of that list. For sure. Yeah. Gossamer, though. Yes. You know, I still feel a little bit bad for thinking Gossamer was hot because she was obviously underage. Seriously. said when we've had those issues about dudes getting in trouble for manga, it's it's a drawing. It's not a real thing. It's not a real thing, no, but you could still feel creepy, right? I didn't think you were capable of feeling creepy. A little bit. Just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does, it's not like I drag it along with me through life. Right. Like, oh. It's not going to stop you from getting lots of yaoi when we go to Books a Million or Book or Book. Or all right, what do you got, Jason? Uh, well, I was going to talk about Harley, but that's you, you did it for me. Um, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But no, no. Um, but the the got to talk about some non DC here, I guess. Um, shocking though, that may be some to some of our listeners. Apparently, uh, Plutona. Ah. By Mister Lemire, and uh, who's the? Well, I was going to say he's the writer. He is the writer. Although he does do some of the drawing as well. Uh, the book is principally illustrated by Emmy Lennox with colors by none other than Jordy. Jordy Belair, of course. Steve Wands on letters. But Jeff also does do a bit of illustration. So, uh, I don't, I, it's a mini series by image. I don't want to give away too much because it is a mystery. Oh. Um, but, I can set it up in the sense that you're introduced to a band of misfits, whether it's you know the Breakfast Club analog, whatever it is. There's a there's a a, a drifter burnout kid whose dad's an alcoholic. You know the, the stereotypical kid puts on airs. He's putting everybody down all the time as defense mechanism because he's very uncomfortable in his own life. But he's actually not that bad a kid. He's just not willing to to let the nice side out, you know. Uh, then you have this um, little sassy Asian girl who's kind of a crunchy or, like, uh, alternative. She's got the, skull, you know, the, the knitted skull cap on. She's her, She's got to take care of her little brother because her mom's working. Uh, she's got a lot of angst. Then she, you've got her best friend who's this blonde girl who's very chubby. So the, the dick, the dickhead calls her chubs all the time. And she's very insecure. It seems like she almost has a crush on her, her friend, although it's unrequited. Then you've got, uh, an, another boy that's a nerdy kid, bit of a loner. Um, and then the five of them, inclusive of the little brother, uh, are brought together by the death of somebody. So for those old school folks listening that are familiar with Stand By Me, it's kind of that setup, right? Like they're, they're all end up hanging out in the woods and, and lo and behold, they come across a body, but the body is someone very famous, someone that they all recognize instantly. And then a, a, a lot of the book is them dealing with what they should do about the fact that the body was found because many of them think to let other people know that they found the body and that the person is dead would have a lot of negative consequences. So they're hemming and hawing for a few days as to whether or not to tell anybody. And each of them, although they agree 
as a group to do one thing, needless to say, a few of the people decide to do something else. And so there's a lot of complexity there. And then it ends up um, concurrent with each issue. I think it was a five-issue series, but uh, Lemire draws, so Emmy draws all of that, and then Lemire draws what the person, who, the character who died, um, he draws her last moments. So with each issue, you're seeing what led up to her death, so to speak. And then, um, and, and then at the end, there's, we find out what happened to her, how she got to be the way she was. But then there's a huge twist where something else totally unexpected and tragic happens. And then the book ends. It's just another great example of Lemire as, as a creator. He, he, very self-contained story that, that, uh, pulls you in all the way, you get 95% there. And then you find out everything you thought you just read didn't actually go down the way you thought it did. And then something else happens that you totally weren't expecting. So masterfully done. And I have to yeah. kind of leave it there because I, any specifics in it would, I think, take away the real joy of the story, which is the mystery. Um, but Emmy, I, I was a little familiar with her work because I know that she had put out a few things through Image, including she had done a webcomic of her life for years. That uh, And the name's escaping me right now, but I know they put out a collected edition of that. Um, but I don't know that I'd seen her art that much and, uh, it's, it's ph- phenomenal. It's, um, it's, it's definitely in the, um, I would say it's in the same circle of influence as, uh, homeboy that does, um, I can't think of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of uh, wow, damn, what's the, what's the name of that, uh, that book I hated? Um, I can't even, I'm getting old. I can't. <laughs> <sighs> the one where uh, the dude about the the ki- the dude that's got to fight all the different ex boyfriends. Oh, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Thank you. Um, what's the creator of that? What's his name? Scott. Hmm? Was it um, Scott? Um... Oh Jesus! No, um, uh, Ryan uh, uh, con- uh, O'Malley. Yeah, Ryan O'Malley. Lee O'Malley. You're, thank you. You're contagious. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I would say Emmy's work is is a little evocative of Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah, with a little J Bone in there. There you go. That's right. I, yeah, I like her. J-bone. I like her work better than Brian's, frankly. Um, but very much big, almost chibi esque eyes. Very simple facial features. Not not a ton of detail. Most of the stories told in the eyes and the face, almost manga esque in that regard. Um, and they're on a tear because they have like what five issues out to date. Five six I, issues. I read the trade. Oh, okay. I got the trade. Yeah. There you so, go. It, it's it. It's over. There's no, it's, it was a miniseries. It's done. Oh, nice. Like I said, See, it's, it's I, a mystery. There, it's a whodunit. Right. Speaking of Lemire, I was going to talk up some Lemire. I read, uh, Lost Dogs. Oh, it's my jam. It's horribly depressing. It is. It is. But so well done though. It is. It's very well done, but it's just, there is not a single glimmer of light in that entire book. Mm-hmm. Starts off bad, it goes downhill from there. It's just like, oh man. Um, uh, Drew Van Genderen sent that to me and he's like, you gotta read this. It's, it's Lemire at his rawest. And, and I, I, I agree with that. It is very raw. Um, it's, it, I think it was one of the first things Lemire had published. It was, yes. And it is just, wow. Um, when the deed is done with the family, as I was really, I didn't know if I should read any more of it because where do you go from that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I did, and and I stuck, you know, I stuck it out, and I was just hoping for some kind of comeuppance at the end. It's like <laughs> it's it's rough, man. It's a rough, rough book. Mm, it is indeed. Yeah, but highly, highly recommend Plutona, particularly for people who are fans of of mysteries, because that is what this joint is. Is a joint, and there yes. is a little superheroism to it as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I, but I, that's all I can say. It's set in a world where superheroes exist. I'll say that. Cool. Yeah. So the person that died was a superhero then? No, not necessarily, but there may be a connection there. So I, don't, oh. I can't say anymore. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. I want to say something before someone else takes the center stage. I got my um, rewards. For the Monsters Attack Kickstarter. Oh, cool. That Mort, Mort Todd put out. Mm-hmm. And one of the reports, <laughs> oh, in addition, sorry. Yeah. In addition to all those great prints that he, uh, included for the various tiers, he included a copy of Steve Ditko's Weird Comics number one. And this is all of the Ditko work that he did for the, the Monsters Attack mm-hmm. series. Mort Todd colored them. And he did an absolutely phenomenal job on the coloring. Beautiful, beautiful color art. He didn't, he knows when to let flat color carry the line art and when to just go deep. There's not a lot of, of, uh, blends in this thing that's mostly flat color mm-hmm. and it's all the better for it. It's, he did a really great job. So, um, it's it's part of that uh Charlton Neo stuff. If you'd like to get um a copy of this, let's see, where do you go? Uh I think it's actually charltonneo.com. David, do you know what it is? No. No? Alright. Char just Google Charlton Neo. They have a ton of books on sale. Um Mort Todd is at the helm of it. And he did a phenomenal job. I was telling Zach, I was like, man. And you know, it looks like they got this thing printed at, um, what is it, Kablam? Okay, yeah. I love Kablam's mm. books because the the black, it's obvious. The black is obviously overprinted because it skates. It seems to skate on the top of the the color, like the black seems to be raised a little bit. It's a really neat effect. I don't know if that's intentional or it's just part of the Kablam process, but the when they print the black mm-hmm. last, it's amazing. Huh. It looks really, really good. That's cool. Very professional. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, Steve Ditko's Weird Comics from uh, Charlton Neal. Take it away. Uh, Mortad.com slash Charlton. There you go. All right. Uh, so getting back to Lemire real quick. Nice. The uh, I finished, I think Jason. Right of the year. Yeah, that's true. Get a uh, kick out of um, the fifth issue of Lemire and Smallwood, and in the case of the fifth issue and companies, Moon Knight. Uh, oh, nice. Mark Spector has escaped the hospital that he was uh, pretty much held a prisoner in. Slowly, as he's making his way uh, through the city, losing another member of the crew that escaped with him. Uh, right. Gina and, and Crowley and, uh, Frenchie and 
Uh, Marlene's the only one who makes it, escapes fully with him. But while, um, while he is dressed as Mr. Knight, the, the fourth issue ends with him face to face with Moon Knight, the old hooded with the cape and, uh, that version of Moon Knight that we all know. Um, so the fifth issue starts off where they're fighting each other. Um, Moon Knight escapes. Mr. Knight is following him. Uh, but as he's walking through each door looking for him, he ends up in different realities, we'll say. The first one looks like he's on the moon and he's being chased by a bunch of werewolfy looking aliens. Uh, and that little segment is illustrated by James Stoker. Oh boy. Nice. Makes it through another Ooh. door and he's, uh, he's now dressed all in a all white suit, three piece suit. Uh, Marlene comes walking in looking like Little Red Riding Hood. Um, with the two orderlies now running after him, uh, Billy and Bobby, this segment is drawn by Wilfredo Torres. Oh. Wow. Then finally... How long are these segments? Like one page, two pages? Uh, three. The James Stoker wow. one is a double page spread, and then the third page gets through a door. The Wilfredo page is uh, two pages. Mm. And... Finally, the, uh, although what's, what's interesting is as he's within each reality, uh, when he sees Marlene, she calls him Stephen. Mm-hmm. And he makes his way through a third door. And it's a very specific Location, uh, it look, kind of looks like Times Square, but there's a cab in the background and, uh, and there's a young lady asking Jake if he feels like some company tonight. This one, two, three pages illustrated by Francisco Francovia. Yay. Uh, the orderlies catch up to him. What'd you say? I was going to say, how hard would it be to get Sienkiewicz to, to draw some of this? He's too busy doing cover variants for Harley Quinn. And Green Arrow. Well, linking Neil to make it look good <laughs> for Green Arrow. <laughs> uh, so he, um, the orderlies are about to inject him with whatever. He fights back, uh, makes his way through a fourth door. And, uh, and Set is on the other side. Mm-hmm. So now Mr. Knight and Set are so having a conversation. That's right. Um, Mr. Knight walks up the steps of a pyramid. There's Moon Knight sitting in a, um, in a throne all bloody, uh, bleeding from the gut, takes his mask off and it's Khonshu. So now, Bless you. now they're having a conversation and Basically, he's like, you know, you need, you need to be my fist. You, uh, this is, you know, you, you served me well. Now you can rest. Your work is done. You can be free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to 
basically not not so much he wants him to be uh his warrior Kanshu wants his body he's like listen i'm i'm gonna set you free you you serve me well you that's right but now it's time for you go sleep i got this i'm gonna take over from here mark is like nah son so he jumps off the pyramid starts falling down to the ground now there is a panel it's a double page spread and there is a, a a wide panel at the bottom that really kind of does look like that. It looks like Greg Smallwood was 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 giving it a um, very Sinkemichi feel. It, mm. it, it's a sharp looking panel. Uh, lands on the ground, splat. He's bleeding from his neck, the back of his head. Sandstorm comes, washes over him. He wakes up. The last couple pages are, are we're back to uh, Wilfredo drawing this because he wakes up. Marlene is next to him in the bedroom. And, uh, she asks him, how many other actors, when, when he, he's like, Marlene? And, and all surprised, she's like, well, how, how would you not know my name? How many other actresses do you bring home, Stephen? Mm. And he's like, whoa, 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 what'd you call me? And she's like, why are you acting so weird, Stephen? You're freaking me out a bit. So, she's like, listen, let, let's get dressed. We gotta shoot the pyramid scene today. We have a call time. So, she leaves the bedroom so Stephen can get dressed. He opens up mm. the uh, the curtains and he's looking out at Hollywood. And that's the end of the first arc. <laughs> uh, it looks like um, Will Fredo will be drawing the next arc, which will be Stephen Grant in Hollywood. And that's that. Mm. That's the end of so. And and the cover is uh, the next issue cover is pretty rad because it's it's Moon Knight dressed in the in the hood and everything, but the um, the clapboard for uh, that Hollywood uses is, is in front of them. So it, it I, I'm kind of I, I enjoyed Lemire setting up this and 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 as crazy as Spectre is, and and because at the end of this issue, the end of this arc, we still don't know if it's all in his head or if this is uh, if if he's really been Moon Knight all these years or if he's just been in an, an insane asylum all these years and. That's the thing. What the hell is reality with this character? You don't even, you don't know. know. Right. He's Marvel's Hawkman. So you just have, um, the, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm, now that that story is over, I'm curious to see Jeff's take on, uh, on Moon Knight and, and Hollywood. So I, it's, it was a, um, it's been an amazing arc, especially with, with Craig's art. He's just, He's killed every single issue, and and the fact that we we threw in a couple extra artists in this issue just to um mess with Mark's reality a little bit more. Um, I I was digging it, and again, you know, Moon Knight is not a character that I am so in love with. I love I, uh, him. I so, I so love him. I kind of like the idea of Moon Knight more than the actual character. I, I dig the whole multiple personality, the the um and his supporting cast, but uh. He's, it's, he's had a, he's had a couple of really cool stories, especially Round Robin, Sidekicks mm-hmm. Revenge, and, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's just, anyway, this arc is done when it's, uh, when it's, I'm sure it's been solicited already, so I would definitely give it a shot. If you don't, if you're not a Moon Knight fan, you'll probably get a kick out of this just because if you don't know anything about it, you're, you're going in, blind and and the character is pretty much the same way so everybody can get 
on the same page from the beginning. Nice. Uh, so yeah. Nice. That's my Jeff Lemire corner. Love it. My man. It looks very interesting. I gotta say, I gotta say that. Yeah, you do. You know what's good for Looking you. at issue five, issue five right now. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Frank Avia did a great job. Yeah, so did, I mean, they all, they all yeah. did. The Stoko double page spread is pretty good. It, it certainly is, uh, varied. It's a very, um, visually diverse book, which is great. Now go towards the end before you get to the uh, last couple pages and you'll see that, that panel I was talking about that Smallwood did. Yeah, I see it. It's nice. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. And you can see it too if you come to our Facebook page, because it'll be on there. Oh yeah. I don't know how many oh, images yeah. you plan on putting in this post, but about twenty. Pick one. Twenty. So you're no. gonna be the first twenty replies. No, I'm just gonna set up a, a, a an album to attach to the, the the post. That's how you do it, right? You dump images on the Facebook and on the the one post. Until the put blog as as you is, want. is finished up. Yes, that's that's yeah. Right. yeah. There you go. But it, once the blog is done, then I'm going to be freewheeling mm-hmm. yeah, over there. Over there. Yes. I got to cool. say, I think uh, Scooby-Doo Apocalypse number four is my last issue of the book. Stop! I still haven't finished number stop three. stop it! I haven't finished number three yet, and I, I so I haven't gotten the four. He's nuts. No, it's 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 so freaking wordy. Oh, my God. It's like, Are they still in the van? they still the, driving around? The, no, no. They got out of the van to go to That's a convenience the, store. but there's Mystery Machine. The van. I know. It's well, it's not even really a. Yeah, it's true. It's not even a van. Though. It's, it's like a tank. Place. Yeah, it's just. It's. I mean, they, they just. They and they're just saying the same things over and over. It's like one minute Daphne's all empathetic, next minute she she's mean. It's just so. Yeah, she's. They're a, so inconsistent from panel. She panel. is a woman. Well. Well. It's uh, like how many issues before we get over the fact that Velma had something to do with the beginning of this? I mean, it's like, oh my god, it's just tedious. Breaking my heart. Listen, you break, I'm breaking my heart. I mean, I love Scooby Doo. He's one of my favorite characters of all time of any genre. I, I just, uh, this book is just. I was they need to pare s- back the words and just show the pictures. Got pretty pictures. And we know, we all know that Giffen and that Mateus can write. But yeah, I think uh, we also know that they're wordy. But we, right. We but, thing, so, man. so let let Porter tell the story. Yeah, Porter's Porter's more than capable of telling the story. He looks great. He's fantastic. He is. The book looks amazing. Yep. That's what I'm saying. I was surprised how, um, how much of a, and again, you know, it's rated T on their cover, but I was a little surprised at how, I guess, mature is, you could use the bent on Flintstones number two, how it was kind of geared toward uh, a more, um, a more mature reader. Yeah, definitely. A between dog. buying crap, between uh yeah, we got a death in the city, uh, a rock fell, and and you see the rock land on the dude's head, and it's like yes, it's, it's black and white, but it's it's just, um, it's it's graphic. Um, but yeah, between between you know buying crap and uh, and making sure that they say that, and then Power Goat Biznatch, uh, there's um. Oh, it, and and it still looks amazing. It, it's a beautiful looking book, uh, and, but the whole thing about God and and uh, that was great. And it was the uh, the origin of Dino, more or less. Yeah, I, I thought that was. Oh, cool. Jason, did you read it? No. This one, I think. Yeah. 
We get to see Dino at the um, end. That's cool. But it was, it was very honeymoonersy with, uh, with oh, Fred and Barney yeah. selling the vitamins. Very honeymoonersy. Yeah. And it should be. Yeah. I don't know. Call me easy, but I think, uh, there are various, varying degrees of greatness within this Hanna-Barbera line. Like, obviously you guys don't like Wacky Raceland. I think it's good. I didn't say great. I think it's good. But the, the other three are great. All of them. I, I need you to catch just, up on Future Quest too. You just throw a bunch of monsters at me, like in Scooby. Like there, there are creatures all over the place in this issue. Yeah, it's really dialogue heavy, but I expect that with this team. The uh, the can opener is brushing his teeth, <laughs> and at the toothpaste tube, this says Falcon Crest. That crack, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> Uh, good times. I got something to make you smile, David. Hey. Yes. It, it will partly sadden you because of where it comes from, but it, it, it'll make you smile. Um, another one of those dollar books that I got this week was World's Finest number 274, Aww. which you said you had. Yeah, I had it a long time ago. And then it made you sad that, uh, you don't, you no longer yeah. have it. It's from, uh, 1981. And I also told you that there was something very notable about this issue that had nothing to do with this, either the story or the art. Did you guess what it is? No. All right. Um, at the end of a group of stories featuring, of course, Superman, Batman, Green Arrow by Gene Colan, no less, uh, Shazam, Hawkman, uh, not Green Arrow by, uh, Gene Cullen. Zatanna was done by Gene Cullen. Green Arrow was done by Trevor Von Eden. Um, in the letters section of this book, we get a missive from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> from 2476 Capitol Hill Crescent. Oh God. And the, Writer of the letter is none other than Todd McFarlane. <laughs> yep, it's long. But uh, Todd's favorite part of World's Finest. Actually, it's really well written. Uh, Todd says, now, the best for last. Superman and Batman, a hole for killing, gave the book the perfect opening story. Metallo is the kind of villain who should be used in World's Finest. Only such a big-time supervillain bent on destruction could cause our two heroes to band together. Some stories haven't been worthy of having both Batman and Superman in them, but Metallo gave our boys a run for their money. Jerry Conway has a great flair for Superman and Batman, and the art by Rich Buckler and Romeo Tangal showed some great shots of power, both by the heroes and Metallo. Like, I think this letter's better written than... A lot of his spawn issues. I'm not being facetious either. Either either it was rewritten by DC Editorial, or Todd had his mom write this, or somebody, but it's a really well-written letter. He likes Hawkman on Hawkgirl. He likes Red Tornado. But uh, there you go, Todd McFarlane in the letter column of World's Finest 274. I just thought that would make you happy. Of course. Ain't you a sweetheart? I know, right? 
Todd's mom. Did you guys read uh, Spawn Kills yeah, Everyone? Come on now. <laughs> you didn't? You could, are you kidding me? <laughs> why? Why is that so out of the realm of possibility? Come on, son. It was great. I mean, I hear you and all, but. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, my. My goodness, you don't want me to get into it? Spawn kills everyone. I'd love to, too, because it's not like you can spoil it for me. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, written by, uh, Todd McFarlane. J.J. Kirby did the Carol art. Jage. And, uh, Mr. Placencia did the color. Uh, FC. Tom, Tom Orzachowski. Of course. Did the letters. Um, it's very chibi. Huh. His spawn is, is little body, big head. And, um, <laughs> he's on the pot taking a shit in one panel. It's, it's not one panel, it's one page. He, he's taking a dump, reading an issue of Spawn number one, and his underwear are hanging off his, uh, his one leg, and it's the leg with the big red spiky thing. <laughs> but, uh, and he, he's in a, he's in a comic convention. And of course, there are characters at a comic, people at a comic convention that are dressed like various characters from, from many comics companies. Um, and he, he kills, um, uh, in addition to the Incredible Hulk. And then this is not, these are not the superheroes. These are people dressed like them. He kills Deadpool and he, uh, there's one page in particular that's really funny. Um, there's, uh, a character, characters dressed like, um, Red Skull and Donald Trump. <laughs> and who's the villain? <laughs> well, that's the thing. He, he rips both of their heads off and the Donald Trump head goes on the Red Skull's body and the Red Skull's head goes on Donald Trump's body. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. <laughs> it is kind of cool. Kind of cool. But no, it was cute. It's just a cute little issue. There's nods to The Walking Dead in it. Um, and, and other, I mean, it's Todd makes an appearance, but it, it's a one shot. I, I forget how much it was, it, but it's really great. And it's, it a shit about price. I don't, when I, no, come on, it's spawn. Um, he, he destroys, uh, Iron Man. Finn and Jake are in the back of one nice. panel. A lumpy space princess. Oh, sick LSP. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wolverine, little Wolverines in there. Uh, but like I said, it's just, it's, it's all silliness, but it's, it's really well done. So if you're in the mood for some fun and you know, you have an inclination to Todd's greatest character, Spawn, uh, just pick it up. It's, it's, it's Spawn kills everyone. It's in the tradition of Punisher kills the Marvel universe and, and you know, those kind of books. It's not to be taken seriously, sure. but it's, yeah, it's fun. Nice. What else? I think I have exhausted my reading of the week. What? Yep. I don't know, David, do you have anything else? Uh, no, I pretty much just said man your travels since my throat's going. Oh my goodness. We had, a, well, we had a good run of what, like three hour plus episodes? We did. To, you know, recharge every so often. It's true. Okay. Well, I'll save stuff for next week then. Yeah, like Alan Moore's fucking Superman. Oh, wow. Shit. He gets so mean. His ass mouth. 
It was like uh, a month ago. I read it that weekend because you're like, I'm going to talk about this. All right, bet. I, I put yeah. everything off to the side because I figured you had a head start. You were going to be finished with it way before mm-hmm. me. Church. And Next now it's week, like, wow. we're talking about Alan Moore's Superman. Be here. You know why? You know why we should talk about it next week? Because I will talk about the hmm. Alan Moore stories from Green Lantern Quarterly. They were collected. I do believe they were collected. They No, they were. Yeah. You have them as single issues? I did. Aw, oh, sad. Yeah, see, thanks. So we bring the room down. <laughs> that goddamn Kevin O'Neill story is fucking freaky as hell. Yeah. That Kevin O'Neill was banned from DC at one point. Yeah, well, this story, because I wouldn't art, be surprised. They felt his art was so horrific, they didn't want him to to touch their stuff. Which is nuts, really. The Willingham story is pretty cool. Yeah. Because he gets to draw Kevin Tui in a bikini. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Solicit our sponsor, will you? Discount Comic Book Service. Because if you don't want to spend a whole lot of comics, there's only one place to go. DCBService.com. I'm going to run down this list one more time. They still have time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't put my order in yet. Yeah. <laughs> From DC Young Animal, you can get, uh, three of the forthcoming titles. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, Shade the Changing Girl number one, and Doom Patrol number two for a paltry $5.97. Busick and Nord's Conan, the first omnibus is called Birth of a Legend. It will cost you $12.49. And Reborn number one by Mrs. Capullo and Miller, $1.99. In your travels, I am mesmerized by this man's work. Completely mesmerized. I talked about the first issue. David kind of sort of liked it. I absolutely loved it over the moon with it. Um, the second issue came out of James Why Not's Bolts, number two. Yeah, I need to read it. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's more of the same. And that's not a, a, a dig against uh, this this issue. It is more chaotic, frenetic, frenzied, destruction, giant monsters, beautiful art, black and white with hints of red. There's a lot of red in this issue, um, mostly the capes. Um, but I think that stylistically it's very visually compelling, black and white and red. I mean, the greats have used that to great effect, right? Matt Wagner, come on. Um, the Japanese, uh, but, um, it's, it's, it's more of the Frankenstein monsters adventures in this otherworldly realm. Um, and it is fantastic. It's from Action Lab, uh, Danger Zone. Uh, why, James Wynott is the, uh, author illustrator and it is Bolts. Number two. Very nice. Get it. Do it. Yeah. It's fantastic. This thing is going to be insane when it's traded. In the membrane. In your travels, uh, going back to DC for a hot second, Detective Comics. What? What? Um, hmm? or Batman Family, if you want to call it that. The, uh, it's, it's written by, uh, James Tinian the third, uh, no, not the third, the fourth, sorry. Um, 
the last couple of issues not done by Eddie Barrows, who did a fantastic job on the first couple. Um, Alvaro Martinez is your penciler. Raul Fernandez is your anchor. Brad Anderson on colors. Um, we find out who is the person in charge of this bat army. Um, and because of detective comics, I know that, uh, Batman and Batwoman are related. I, I wasn't aware of that, but, uh, Clayface is probably my favorite character of the group. Um, there's a, uh, a computer genius who, uh, Batman faced off in, uh, issue 937 and this time Red Robin gets to, uh, exchange barbs with him. But, uh, it, this is, it, this is one of the Batman books that, that started off with a bang and, and it keeps going. And it's, it, Batman is in it because the team has to, uh, well, rescue him, but he is not front and center. It, it really is the, uh, the, the, the gang has gotten together and now they are learning how to work together, uh, but it's it's a very strong group of characters. Everybody is great. Everybody would be great on their own solo without needing the uh the whole team. But when the team is together, they're uh they're almost firing on all cylinders. They're not they're not a well oiled machine just yet, but uh you can tell that, that they're gonna get there. But it's been it it's been a a really fun ride so far. Yeah, I got to hear. Um, hmm. Should I shout out? I kind of put it to the side, but David has been praising it since the inception. It, it's by far the best rebirth book. Yeah. Detective? Yeah. Easy. That's cool. Definitely the best. You know what? I'm going to shout out uh, Guardians of Infinity. Cool. Um, haven't been given Marvel all that much love. Frankly, mainly because of the Civil War too. I'm just not interested in so many of the books are in the middle of those tie-ins. I'm just finding them stacking up. Um, but uh, they we're on issue eight of Guardians of Infinity. For those that don't remember our prior talks about it, it's a confluence, uh, um, kind of a space and time wormhole opens, a nexus point where it brings together three three sets of guardians from different from different millennia to uh, to wage against the. Uh, Against uh, Hermeticus and his his uh, band of merry men, um, Carlo Barberi's done all the art, and he's been phenomenal throughout the series. And it's nice to have Dan Abnett back writing the Guardians. Um, I've just genuinely enjoyed each issue. It's uh, a nice mix of the Guardians that we're familiar with and love, like Rocket, and uh, and new new creations as well. So just a fun space uh, sci-fi. Space opera and, um, definitely a worthy successor to the Guardians of the Galaxy runs by Abnett Lanning and then Bendis. I'm going to read that when it's collected. It's already collected the first trade. This is the, this is the second arc. How many issues in the first trade? Um, I don't know if it's five or six because I read it in issues, but. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like, it sounds like a hoot. A hoot and nanny. There you go. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us once again. As usual, if you liked anything, 
anything at all that you heard in the previous yeah, heard. Two, two hours, I'm sorry, uh, jump on the iTunes and give us a review or a similar aggregator because we really appreciate it. That's the stuff that gets us. I did. That's the stuff that gets us around. And, you know, you'd be doing us a solid and we'll do you a solid in return by doing this every single stinking week because we love it and we love you. As usual, say good night. David. Wow. You see that came from like left field. Good night. David. He's got to do it fast or he forgets. See, if we, if we talk in between the part where I did it and then he's got to do it, if we stretch it out, he, I think that's where he'll lose his mojo. That's the trick. Mojo, Jojo. There you go. Why do you want me to lose my mojo? I don't want you. We got to make it interesting though. Got to raise the stakes up. Yeah, I guess I'm betting on this shit. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Yeah. Take odds. I got five dollars on David to win. Oh, and this is for you. Always been on white. <laughs> oh my goodness! I feel like we're cutting them short. No, we're not. We're not. They'll love us, and then it's not like we're not going to talk for another fifteen, twenty minutes anyway. You might. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get that wrestling talk in every week. Oh, for the love of God. Hey, did you see those growing? Ah, and Brooklyn, and, uh, and Brooklyn takeover. Why did I yeah. do it? And, uh, <laughs> and, although there'll be three wrestlers that won't be there this weekend. Uh, thanks to wellness. Thanks Wait, to wellness I know, policy violations. I, I know Del Rio and Paige. And Paige. Eva Marie. Thank God. Eva Marie? Yeah, it was announced today. <sighs> oh my did God. Did you see, She's so hot. you see where they, they said, um, Undertaker suspended from the the wrestling association because of the wellness checks because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, that is funny. And I believe uh for friends of the sh- of that show like we are, I believe the strain returns Sunday. No way. Oh my god. Oh, thank goodness. Yes, Something sir. else to watch. Caesar. What's your sex and drugs and rock and roll? Caesar. I got to catch up on that. What? Sex and drugs are rock. Yeah, especially since you were all about it. Anyone right? watch the, I love it. To get down yet? Uh, we saw the first episode last night. Oh, it doesn't sound like you loved it. I, I didn't. You know what's funny is, I'm getting the. Uh, I'm I'm finally realizing how it feels when Renee sees a comic book movie with me. Okay. Because. She lived this. It's taking place in the Bronx in the late seventies. Right. She knows these places. Um, and while we're watching it, she's like, well, that's bullshit. Well, that wouldn't happen that way. That would, and I, I realize, you know, they're embellishing certain things and, but it's like where, where, where some of the dudes are getting together and, and having their little, uh, having their party. It's like in some, some jam packed little alleyway. And it's like, no, you, you did it. Out in the parks and the courtyards, so you could plug into the lamp post to get the electricity. It's like she was, so she's the first. By the time you get to the end of the first episode, there's there's something there that you're like, all right, I'm going to give the next episode a shot just to see. But just based on the first episode, we weren't in love with it, and I was really expecting to. Mm. But uh, Eastman loved it. I know, I know, and I'm wondering if, like, if he thinks that's New York from back then. So I don't know. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, but 
I, uh, it's, I know that, you know, some people were, were really high on it and, and, you know, the music is slamming the, the, um, it's just, it's, it's not so, uh, factually accurate. I mean, Ed Koch is in it and, and, uh, and, you know, they're talking about, you know, things that actually happened then. Um, Jaden Smith surprised me. He was really good in it. Uh, the kid who plays Ezekiel Justice Smith, I thought he was really good. You know, there's, so there are, there's, there's glimmers there. And like I said, we'll, we'll watch the second episode and see if, uh, it's only a six episode series and, and, uh, the first, first episode's like an hour and a half. So we'll give the next episode a shot and see if it was a, uh, if they were just setting the stage and, and, and getting a feel for how everybody is. And we'll see how it, uh, how it continues. But again, it's one of those things where the, the band has to kind of get together at, uh, by the end of the first episode and, and they do. So that aspect is pretty neat, but you know, there were, uh, there were moments where I was like, that's pretty cool. That's funny. I dig that. I can see, you know, that that's why I want to watch this. And then they kind of like do a one eighty, and you're like, eh, it's a little cringe worthy. Hmm. There you go. All right. I was watching the Netflix. But not the same stuff you guys are probably watching. Oh, not? No. They just put Fast and the Furious 1, 2, and 3 on what there. Like, I've, I've never, I've never seen them. Really yeah, so I watched, didn't. me and Vin watched them. One is good, two is great, three sucks ass. Two is great? Yeah, I think two is great. Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah. Wait, was three Tokyo Drift? Three Tokyo, Tokyo Drift, Drift. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's terrible. terrible. That, Tokyo that Drift is bad. Franchise, that's that's yeah. the one when it, that's the typical third in a series where you're like, wow, they're really trying to milk this. It's over. The um, uh, Renee's ex was the uh, stunt driver for uh, Tyrese. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Yeah, he's a really good driver, yeah. but yeah, he was the uh, so because he was like, yeah, I'm down in Florida, and Renee was like, oh sweet, really? Like for Bad Boys too? And he's like, nah. <laughs> it was like, oh damn. So he was. He was not driving for that for for too fast too furious. I I didn't enjoy uh, very tanned and and accented Cole Hauser in in the second movie, but um, second movie has more humanity in it than the first. And I dug all the cars coming out of the garage. Yeah. Um, no, there, there there were some pretty neat moments in the second one. The first one was you know that's that was good. I I've seen I. I saw the first three, I think, in their entirety. I don't remember seeing The Fast and the Furious. I don't remember seeing all of five or all of six. I've seen them in bits and pieces and edited on TV. And I've never seen seven. I don't know why they didn't put them all on. Like, why would you put one, two, and three? Probably because FX is showing number six right now. And usually if, if, if a, if a channel is, is airing them. Cause it's the same thing with the Star Trek movies. They're not on Netflix or Amazon Prime right now because they're getting played on regular TV because the movie's out. So they have to kind of work out a deal. So if you want to see them, you either got to rent them or stream them, but mm. pay the rent that way. Have you guys ever seen the Eric Andre show on Adult Swim? No, never heard of it. Oh my God, it is ridiculous. I just watched, um, episodes one and two. I don't even know what season it is, 
but Stacy Dash is on episode oh, two. Gosh, and a- as she's talking to this Eric Andre guy, like rats are coming out from underneath her chair. And I don't know if she knew it was going to happen or not. Like this, this guy's really confrontational comedy. Like, like he will beat the shit out of himself to get a laugh. You got to watch it. It is, it's, it's insane. And I love it. Eric Andre, it's on Adult Squin. It's nuts. It's on this, this, this really shitty set with like low rent. Um, like the, there's a, a ratty old chair next to this, you know, busted desk and they're, he, he's trying to be professional, but it doesn't pull it off and he, he gets thrown into f- filing cabinets and boxes and just beaten to shit and he, watch it. I can't really describe it. It's just, it's, it's very confrontational. It's like one of those public access programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's only like 15 minutes. The, um, he'll, he'll go out and, um, he went into New York, uh, Times Square trying to find the Sprite offices. He wanted to be a spokesman and he had, um, prosthetic bone hanging out of his leg. He was on roller skates to make it look like he fell and he broke his, his bone and the, his leg and the bone was hanging out and the guy threw him out of the place where he was because he wouldn't listen to it's nuts it's very uncomfortable to watch it i think he was that's at the I, uh that's why i like he it. was at the rnc outside oh. getting in the faces of um oh really not so much getting in their faces he was asking questions but because he's a black dude and and he's but who is he like where does he come from is he a comedian yeah. is he yeah oh okay it, i think this show is great but it's not easy to watch. No, yeah, he's got that that style of of comedy that it's it's yeah. either going to you either going to love it or you're you're going to be turned off. Right. There's a little Andy Kaufman going on. Right. Yeah, like it a lot. All right, everybody. See, see how I tricked you to talk. I talked to you. I tricked you into talking more. <laughs> you got to do the show notes. Oh, I'm sorry. This is going to be the much more part. <laughs> <Dick>. <laughs> We love you. Bye. Later. Bye.